Welcome to Better Red Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today, as a bonus to our Halloween Spookfest, we are going to be talking about Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, which is Jonathan Edwards' 1741 sermon about how God is a big old psychopath and we're all doomed to hell. <laughs> so, Katie, who clearly picked this, uh, why Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God? Because we're sinners and God's angry and we better find out what his hand's going to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is important to know. I just I I do want to say that um, while while we're all in deep doo doo, um, some of us are in less deep. Some of us are in more doo doo than others. So um, and uh, and, you know, uh, but we don't know which ones. Only God knows that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, true. True story. But why, why Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God? Because I would read anything that Jonathan Edwards wrote and talk about it with you two people because he's he's my guy. Edwards is my guy. More than any other guy, he is my guy. And Honestly, uh, that is like completely nuts. I'm sorry, but that's like <laughs> what a guy to have as your guy. Yeah, I mean, I – I, I'm much more inclined to agree with you about 18th century things, uh, Katie, than, than Megan, but I have to agree with Megan here. <laughs> no, no, no. I like 18th century shit. I, I don't like Robinson Crusoe, but... <laughs> well, you, that's good. You shouldn't, but... <laughs> I like many 18th century stuff, and I like this. I just think this guy is no Larry Stern. <laughs> no. Uh, yes, I think Edwards would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, pussy jokes here. Yeah, um, Edwards did not uh, address whether he got the pussy popping or not. Um, I don't know what to, you know. There's nothing. Um, he he was silent on that subject, uh, <laughs> but he had a lot to say about other things. I do love. I just love him so much. And um, I remember the first time I read an Edwards sermon, I was like, oh, I'll just be obsessed with these guys for. The rest of my life, like I'll just never get these cycles. I'll out do of a mind. whole degree on it. Yeah, I'll just yeah, I'll live and breathe and just be with these these fucking total nuts. Edwards though was the be- just the fucking best. He was one hundred percent sincere. He did not give a fuck who he offended whatsoever. He was just, he was simply a stone cold weirdo. Uh, He was a skinny legend. He never ate food. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually on his tombstone. It's on his tombstone that he's skinny. (laughs) There's a poem. There's literally a poem about how skinny he is. Uh, It goes a little something like this. So we get to his, we get his grave. He's buried in Princeton. Because he was president to the, of Princeton, the finest university in, <laughs> in all the land. In all the land. So we got a little something on his tombstone that says, here lies his mortal part. What sort of person, you ask, oh passerby? He was a man of tall but slender body, made thin <laughs> with intense study. Whoa. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was Edwards. And it also goes on to say, like, he wasn't that much fun on his tombstone, which is hysterical. <laughs> really, I never would have guessed. <laughs> he wasn't that great at a party, but boy, was he a genius. So anyway, yeah, he's 
the reason why this sermon also is because this is the thing that everyone knows Edwards for, and it's completely just 180 from anything else he ever wrote. Like, he hmm. never did anything even remotely like this. My other, I have another fa- uh, favorite, I have a favorite Edwards quote, um, and it's all about like I, I, it's it's long, so who needs more Edwards? But um, it's all about like everything. Uh, you know, faith depends on a sense of the heart. Like he's very, he's very into the feels. And so, um, so you're telling me this is his Frank Costanza Festivus speech, where he's like, I got a lot of problems. Hugging people. Listen up. Uh, yeah. Also, so he's the reason Edwards is the reason for my lock boner. So every time you all have to hear me talk about lock, it's because Edwards too had had one of these lock boners. <laughs> so yeah, like there's one thing I want to say about that, which is that he was one of the first Americans to read lock, which is nuts. And for him, he was it really freaked him out. Like it, you reading Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, if you buy into it, Edwards felt the same way about reading Locke. Like he just it just made him clench all of his sphincters um, <laughs> for reasons that I think we'll talk about. But the sensation reflection thing, uh, all knowledge coming from that blows your whole original sin thing. It totally fucks you up in terms of like Satan can just slither up your butt. And uh, by the time you feel that little tickle, it's too late. You're totally unprofe- unprotected. That's right. And it also is the so we have John Locke partly to blame for the Hellfire sermon. Uh, that like sensory stuff. So, but what's also cool to me is like Edwards read this thing that just made him feel like he was on that, you know, death, uh, that euthanasia roller coaster, uh, <laughs> scared him shitless. But he was like, okay, but I think this guy is right. Like I have so much diarrhea and not just because I'm in the 18th century. It's also because I'm scared and I still think this guy is right. And I'm going to like, I'm going to do all kinds of philosophical maneuverings to make this all fit together and we've got some like varying degrees of success but i you gotta admit that's sort of dank and you know yeah my man did a hell of a job yeah no and i i didn't i mean i in reading it i like i i mean i sort of i've heard you talk about that before and so i was kind of like clued into that but still i i'm uh i don't know i'm kind of interested to see in this the sort of like how like how it, it you know that that sort of empirical philo- uh, philosophy sort of is present here um that's 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 really interesting um because i think on the you know for, if, from a cursory read it doesn't you and if you don't you know know much about that you wouldn't you know you wouldn't be thinking that this had anything to do with you know like kind of an inquiry about the senses but that that's awesome but uh, anyway, so I read this in 11th grade uh, in our American lit focused English class, and I fucking hated it. Yeah, <laughs> um, like, I, I see why a 17 year old would be resistant. I think generally, yes. And also, you know, you grow up with a lot of right wing evangelical Christians, as I did. And I'm sitting there reading this like, yeah, I know a ton of people like, you know, in this room even who literally talk like this. And I don't really care to read a Jack Chick comic right now in the middle of class no, uh, no chick tracks for you no no um <laughs> and so i mean okay like that that is that's a little bit too extreme like edwards is a lot more literary than certainly john jack or jack jake or whatever the fuck um and and most evangelicals i i met these days don't tend to be big on emphasizing the whole predestination thing but still you know i'm just sitting there like jesus christ can we please read mark twain and, and not do church uh <laughs> here and out of our hey, text at least. Books? 
at least you asked Jesus Christ whether you could read Mark Twain. <laughs> that, yeah, That's yeah, true. Yeah, true. Very true. But, you know, reading this again as an adult um, and, and knowing a lot more about the period, um, I did. I thought it was fucking fascinating and, and hilarious uh, for, yes. for a bunch of reasons. I love that we thought to do this for Halloween, you know, epic burn there that I'm sure Edwards would have hated. Don't say uh, burn about uh, this period in American history. <laughs> yeah. Not but at least you- around Halloween. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I, you know, more seriously, I'm, I'm really into the collision points of uh, like small R Republican ideology and Puritan Calvinism and Puritan and dissenting British American uh, traditions, you know, where we sort of see this often fairly radically democratic impulse up, you know, running up against like this kind of rigidly doctrinal and authoritarian impulse. Uh, famously, and I, I, I'm sure I mentioned this on the show before, but I love it. Milton Satan in Paradise Lost manages Republican political arguments so well that William Blake proclaimed Milton of the devil's party without knowing it. Um, and that's just, that's just <laughs> correct. I do not want to hear any counterpoints from, well, actually 17th century as you tell me why that's like facile or whatever. Fuck off. Um, but... <laughs> Oh, yes. I'm sure those people are just lining up. <laughs> I shall engage them in battle. Say it to their face. Say it to their face. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, Ed- Edwards doesn't do that, uh, really, you know, but, but the comparisons between the weakness of, you know, despotic Kings and the awesome power of God, he talks about a few times here is really interesting. Um, and also, and this sort of gets us to next week when we're going to be talking about Joseph Andrews, but, um, 18th century kind of evangelical movements like Methodism, for instance, they did tend to be far more open to the poor and to women and to black and brown people than the established church was. And I'm not sure if we can see that here per se, but I am curious about it. Um, And, you know, just the idea that anyone can sort of testify if God speaks to them. And, you know, the last thing I, yeah, and this gets to like what you were saying about the census and empiricism, Katie. Um, I I do like how into producing intense feeling this is, which is pretty, pretty goth, I think. So. Oh yeah. It's, it's goth for sure. I think. Right. Yeah. I I thought that's how I felt reading it without (laughs) any uh, knowledge of, it because this is very good example of something that i did not know that i wanted to read (laughs) at all because it is like katie's thing but also both of your thing like just much more than mine like this is far from my field like i know nothing about american religion other than like john smith met an angel who told him to go dig up some gold notebooks and like joseph Joseph smith joseph smith see told (laughs) you He was a dime. Was he? <laughs> yeah, he was. Is that why he had 4312 wives? <laughs> well, I don't know if that's why, but I'm sure it helped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the American religion guy that I know that he he went to dig up some gold notebooks. I also adore the television show Ancient Aliens in <sighs> which they claim that Joseph Smith was visited by Moroni, the angel that he claims to have met, and that that was an alien. Good night, sir. QED. You, you, you. Uh, my, my wife and sister-in-law should watch Ancient Aliens together. It's, a, it's, a it's very the best show on our show. It's a good show. If you want a lesson in uh, why correlation is not causation, you should watch that show. Because, or everything's yeah. aliens. <laughs> Everything is aliens. It's like... I just love it so much. But I did also like love the shit out of this. Like this was great. I I know 
that it's not supposed to be funny, that that is not its intention, but it is very funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, it's great. And I love how Edwards thinks you're going to – death is right – behind you he's all who knows like we're in a buster keaton movie like you might trip on a rake and fall into a giant pile of leaves and drown in the leaves and dog shit and then where will you be and <laughs> that's amazing like he thinks you're just like trip like gonna do a pratfall into death at any moment you know i'll say i'll say it's a very colonial orientation toward the world <laughs> <laughs> that's true I also love that there's like a there's a special moment for the kitties in here, the children. They are in those little baby cages the kitty loves so much. Uh, <laughs> and Edwards goes like, all you little kids who don't line up behind Jesus, well, get ready to feel the fires of hell on your tiny buns because all the good babies out there love Jesus. <laughs> That's how babies feel. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But good to be a baby in the in the eighteenth century in the US. Just totally ruled in every way. Oh yeah. Uh great yeah. to what be if a, you're baby. a baby witch. Oh yeah. just awesome. Like how they re recycled a lot of names because so many babies died yeah, before they were just, two years old or yeah. I just wanted a name that yeah. would eventually stick. Yeah, right, right. So I gave yeah. it the same name again and again. I support that. I mean, I'm also here for like the very aggro language. It's terrifying in a funny way and yeah here were the good ass lessons about religion and how that has something to do with john locke and one of these days i'm gonna do some episode that's about something you guys don't understand <laughs> uh, yeah and it'll be cool <laughs> oh wait ulysses got it never mind <laughs> yeah that's right yeah. Yep, we, we already yep, did yep. that one <laughs> and i didn't even yeah. talk about bergson so shut up well wait i think i know. did i william james is <laughs> making his fifth guest appearance on our podcast hey he's a guy he's a guy we all can agree on he's a sexy dude i love william james he's great so today we're talking about Calvinism and the Great Revival and some some sort of basics on that. Um, we're talking about the politics and ideology of Puritanism, and we're talking about reading speeches, sermons, historical material as literature. So do we get a summary, Katie? Oh, yeah. I'll give you a little run through. Yes, yes. So we got a sermon, folks. And Edwards bases this like any like any good English major, he picks a quote to start from. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's and then got begins, this since the dawn of time. <laughs> <laughs> In society from the beginning of humankind, we have always been sinners in the hands of an angry god. Yes. But he starts off he starts with this quote from Deuteronomy, which Megan, it goes to it goes to what you said about how slapstick this fucking thing is. <laughs> yeah. And um and so the which I relate to a hundred percent, it's their foot shall slide in due time. And as a person <laughs> whose foot has slid so many times, I get it. And I will not remind our readers of the time. That Katie could not show up to lunch with me because she had covered herself in gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> or the time you locked your keys out of the car. 
And we had to call AAA. <laughs> and they were like in my bag, I think. Yeah, I have more. So I'm trying not to make fun of you for, in fact, being a com- a walking comedy of errors. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, one could do worse, I guess. <laughs> Your foot should slide in two times. <laughs> Hey, my foot is my foot is uh, held aloft by the pleasure of God. Okay, um, <laughs> so everyone can suck on that. But I am going to go through the sermon real quick because the way it's laid out so nice for doing this. So basically, Edwards first starts off with his um, he he sh- tells us his kid and he tells us his conclusion, and then. He backs it up with a few observations, again, like we should all do when we write our essays on Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I once in college wrote an essay on this sermon called Sinners in the Hands of a Lockean World. Yes, I did it. Um, (laughs) I was 19, so. I would have rolled my eyes but not put anything on the paper, so you wouldn't have known. (laughs) Well, the professor liked it very much. Thank you. Greg Jackson, this is a call out for you. Actually, yes. Um, <laughs> you're on watch now. <laughs> so, so Edwards gives us his uh, his his top ten list of thoughts. He's a thoughts guy, and the first thing is, so we got their slidey foot, and what he says is, well, okay, so your foot slides because if you're fucking around in slip slide and slippery when wet, um, if you're tossing your hair back on the hood of a car uh, in an 80s music video <laughs> and it's slippery, then yeah, you know, no shit. Your foot's going to slide, buddy. And by the way, what were you doing walking there? Um, yeah, I'm one, walking here. One that stands or walks in slippery places is always exposed to fall. It's the truth. And literal Buster it- Keaton moment. and that it will be that it may be sudden he does he does a lot of anti-slippery places um (laughs) shit at the beginning and then he sort of goes into then we get a little god going on and so once we get the god it's like yeah you know like okay so fancy prince Oh, yeah, he might walk out into court with his dick hanging out of his pants. He might, um, he might not be able (laughs) He might not be able to handle things like rebellions. He might be totally inbred. You know, there might be a lot of, lot of trouble. But God, no, he doesn't have any of these type of bullshit problems. He can send sinners straight to hell. Bam. Yeah. No, and, and I, I will just say that, like, th- this is this is the part. Th- this is the shit that I really like, um, because I mean, like, I think you know we're you know three hundred years now past like d- actual divine right royalists walking around, <laughs> um, and so this kind of sounds like sort of a goofy analogy. But the thing is, it's like this motherfucker is like straight up owning the Habsburgs with this shit. You know what I mean? Like that. Oh, that's that, a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so because God does My- not fuck around. There's no like. <laughs> Mm-mm, you're just no. going. No, no, it's an open trap door. <laughs> it's an open trap door, and you are sliding down into it. And uh, so, my secret hope is that um, Tristan will become a Jonathan Edwards guy, um, because uh, no. Megan, I would, I would wish that you would become a Jonathan Edwards guy, but I know that even the most mighty and powerful God has no chance of making that happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean it was a it was a it was a guitar led synagogue I would say that that is 
an unlikely place for me to go toward is toward the Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> well, also, I believe that I have explained to you that if I had chosen a different field of literary study, it would be any field in which there is fucking in the books. And that is not true in the early American literature. And it's not true in Victorian literature. Thank you. I'll do the 18th century. <laughs> but it's what about fine. if you are fucked? Because in this case, you are <laughs> fucked. There may not be fucking, but you've been fucked with your no, pants thank on. You. No, thank you. I want fucking. <laughs> and God, you've been right. I want fucking and swears. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get something here. So basically, Edwards is also like, hey, listen. God, if you you don't text God, you mad because God is <laughs> always mad. mad. <laughs> he stays mad. And one of the things that Edward says is, oh, so you think that because you're walking around peeing into pots and doing uh, and getting diseases and having a great time, that that means that God might not be mad at you. Well, guess what, buddy? He's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. <laughs> and you might also, if you were you such a sinner, you might also uh, say, well, hey, I'm healthy. It's the 18th century. What could go wrong? <laughs> but you, you should not, as Edward says, take comfort from the fact that uh, there's no, what he says, visible means of death at hand. How could how were there not be visible? It's the 18th century. Every rusty nail is a visible means of death at hand. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you're doing Charlie Chaplin hours. I am gonna, I'm gonna die on this hill. This is also this is like Charlie Chaplin meets Final Destination. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Is a bus gonna hit you? Probably. (laughs) Because it's yeah. Well, if there were some, it could. Um, but it's like yeah, God can do all kinds of God can fuck you up all sorts of ways. So the way that we're supposed to think about it is. We are w- doing some kind of a obscene obstacle course where you're like walking over the pit of a, a walking on a rotten floor over the pit of hell, and um, that you're sort of like dangling that an unseen arrow could get you at any time. Oh, and you think you're really smart? Well, guess what? Everybody else in hell thought they were smart one time too, and you know where they are now? They're in hell, buddy. <laughs> And then we get the so this is like this these are all of his this is all his setup. And then he gives you the section of the 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 application section of the sermon, which is how this applies to your life. And if you can't figure that out by now, I mean, really, what can I do for you? <laughs> but he also then he starts doing metaphors like any good author. Great waters that are damned for the present. We do have great waters damned for the present, and we <laughs> And um, we'll, black clouds. We'll, sorry, okay. <laughs> it's scary. We will um also talk about water later. It comes up again uh, at the end of our of our little reading today, which I can't wait for. Um, but basically, the point is that it's like you are you're you're heavy. You're heavy as lead. You're heavy as lead. Yes, Jonathan Edwards just said that. And basically, God is the one you haven't seen his hand propping your ass up all this time. 
But it's not that God is going to, like, launch you into hell. It's that he's going to simply withdraw his hand. He's not going to give you the hand job he's been giving you <laughs> your whole life that you didn't deserve. I mean, it's, it's a, it is a hand job. But also, is, is this Newton? Is that what we're doing? Are we doing, are we doing gravitation here? Oh my, yes. So Edwards was Yay. obsessed with Newton. Wait, I, really? I picked out. Yes. He, that's amazing. I picked out a, a different uh, enlightenment discourse. I'm so proud of myself now. Look at you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, he was a big Newton guy. That's awesome. He was a fig Newton. He read a lot of shit that I would not expect would yeah, influence right. him. Yeah, totally. I mean, reading this, I'm like, I think this really smacks of that John Locke. No. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, so then we have this part where he says that it pisses God off that the sun shines on your sinning ass. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My son does that and I didn't even tell him to. (laughs) Uh, And then he has this great uh, moment where he's like, God is going to stomp on you like he's making like he's i love lucy making wine crushing the grapes running around in the grape bucket and um <laughs> and it god won't care at all if if your blood stains his clothes like that'll be the worst part of the whole thing so um, anyway yeah god god's pretty metal i have to say <laughs> true yeah so um respect so let's get to the end here because this is a Back me up oh, on wonderful. the evil babies. Oh, yeah. I'd love to tell you evil babies. So, yes, um, this is where we are. We get this. We get the Don Draper sales pitch at the end. <laughs> and I won't do the whole I won't do the whole thing. But after the sermon uh, after, you know, after we get the application, we get. um, And now you have an extraordinary opportunity, a day wherein Christ has flung the door of mercy wide open and stands in the door calling and crying with a loud voice to poor sinners, a day wherein many are flocking to him. Can I tell Um, you about a fabulous opportunity? This is like MLM shit right now. This is God doing (laughs) Avon. Can I interest you in some Amway? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of what it sounds like. Then don't you have to you have to sell it to other people, right? You it's the um it's a sh- it's a certain shape uh like a the three dimensional triangular shape for instance. Jonathan Edwards is my uh, upline. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but his uh, upline and- is God, so fuck you. And he's moving merchandise. He also says like, "Hey, you don't want the people in this other town to think you're a bunch of losers, right?" So here we got the now we got the call outs to everyone. And now you that are young men and young women, will you neglect this precious season you now enjoy when so many others of your age are renouncing all youthful vanities and flocking to Christ? You especially now have an extraordinary opportunity, but if you neglect it, it will soon be with you as it is with those persons that spent away all the precious days of youth and sin and now are come to such a dreadful pass in blindness and hardness. And you children that are unconverted, don't you know that you are going down to hell to bear the dreadful wrath of that God who is now angry with you every day and every night? Will you be content to be children of the devil when so many other children in the land are converted and are and are become the holy and happy children of the king of kings and yes. let every 
Yes. <laughs> yes, I will be content to be the children of the devil. And the children of the corn. And every and then he like finishes up and let every one of you that is yet out of Christ hanging over the pit of hell, whether they be old men and women or middle-aged or young people or little children, now hearken to the loud calls of God's word and providence. He's he talks about this is we'll talk about revival a little bit too, but um this is the extraordinary opportunity thing. It has to do with that. And then we get the end. Let everyone that is out of Christ now awake and fly from the wrath to come. The wrath of the Almighty God is now undoubtedly hanging over the great part of this congregation. Let everyone fly out of Sodom. Haste and escape for your lives. Look not behind you. Escape to the mountain, lest you be consumed. So that's the real that's like the classic hellfire part, right? Like that's what mm. we think about when we think about a hellfire sermon. But as we've kind of gotten into, there's a lot more going on here than just that. This was not one of these yelling and screaming type sermons. This was Edwards walking, sort of walking you through. And the end is brut- the end is brutal to read. Mm-hmm. So I think that's sort of helpful and just as we talk more, at least setting up what's at stake here truly and how people and and what edwards thought the stakes were and what his congregation felt the stakes were too Mm -hmm. so it does seem like something that would be yelled like just reading it you're just you feel like this is the fire and brimstone of a different moment because you know so many of us are used to a different kind of revivalism yeah and it seems like yes you'd want to yell right like you it seems like you'd want to well and and also and that that is also that's interesting to me too because um like it is, it, I mean, Megan's right that it is, uh, the, you know, I think that we are importing like an expectation of a, of, of a, yeah, a revivalism from a different moment. But, you know, the sort of contemporaneous sort of occurrence of like Methodism, uh, you know, in, which was happening both in the, in, in Britain and in North America, uh, there was, I mean, like people getting up at meetings and just kind of like, you know, move this move by the spirit and this kind of exuberance and outflow of feeling, which was really perceived as threatening by like the established Church of England. I mean, for one reason, mm. yeah. I mean, it's because like literally, like any it, Eddie wouldn't could do it if you're a woman, if you're kind of like a racialized other. That was fine, but also I think it was that kind of like outburst of feeling does not have place in church and religion. Um, and so it's interesting to me that like Edwards, the content of his language points that way, but you're saying stylistically how it was delivered does not go in that direction at all so that's just kind of an interesting sort of tension there to me yeah there's a ton of in what you just said that i think would be interesting to talk about because there's so that tension that you're identifying like between um the extemporaneous inspired uh you know you speak if like uh quakers for instance you Mm -hmm. speak if the holy spirit moves you so edwards is not there but he's also he's also not in this like stodgy older place he occupies this really interesting middle ground that Mm. makes it hard to fit him into what like he seems as if he fits in all sorts of different places and he sort of doesn't Mm -hmm. and that's why he's cool yeah, and it's no, it's it's yeah, that's it's yeah, that's interesting and weird to me. But. I mean, it's like a great, it's a oh man, I don't want to go too far on this road, but it's one of those like okay, so we actually sort of see the exciting limits of a given kind of historicism, right? Which is like there are people who are weird outliers, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And and that yes. And and if you if you try to assume that any like writer or artist or what have you can be neatly just fit into a certain sort of like ideological or theological totally. or what have you structure, then you're gonna it, stuff's gonna look weirder than maybe it is because yeah, people are just weird. <laughs> like who who, totally. among, who among us is a is a coherent set of like convictions and you know like no one you know but. right and especially somebody like this who's like apparently reading Isaac Newton and weird bullshit you know it's like he seems to have read everything and just sort of gone to town yeah yeah so yeah he's reading newton um he's reading Locke. he's reading he's reading everything uh in this way that most other people at the time were not so he was truly like we're way after Locke was published and it still wasn't floating around america so much that it's not really surprising that edwards read it but the other thing that uh, is interesting about him is that he is a contemporary of Benjamin Franklin, mm-hmm. and people think of them as antithetical. Yeah. But in fact, there are these really interesting resonances between them. Like, so for instance, um, Franklin spoke about regretting not inoculating his son from smallpox, and Edwards died after getting one of the first smallpox vaccines. So he's like very into science. He was a he was a dude of science. Mm-hmm. That is just to say Edwards is this weird figure. He's this he's this outlier. He's like the vanguard, but he's also commonly referred to as the last great evangelical thinker in America. Like this guy Mark Knoll wrote a book um, called The Scandal of the Evangelical Mind in I think the late 90s and his thesis, he's like an evangelical dude and he um says that the scandal of the evangelical mind is that there is no evangelical mind like Burn. edwards is yeah edwards I is know. A blast the, well, so, well, no. i'm sorry so that 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 means it, it's like it's it's be, it has been developed into a movement that is like severed from its kind of ideological underpinning or i'm sorry it's it's sort of like intellectual and conceptual underpinnings is that what that means or? yeah yeah that's that's what that means but edwards is also famous and so well read uh if you're a student of american literature because um of this book by perry miller this uh literary critic and he says something about edwards that's useful and interesting which is edwards would not compartmentalize his thinking he's the last great american perhaps the last great european for whom there could be no warfare between religion and science or between ethics and nature he was incapable of accepting christianity and physics on separate premises so yeah, I mean, he he did it all. But anyway, he he also in addition to this enlightenment science stuff, he was really the known as the you know, uh he didn't like fuck the great awakening and make it be born. Um but he's known as the father of the great awakening, especially in Massachusetts. And so how that looked actually, so we think about like the first great awakening, it was this series of revivals in uh, and I'm talking about the American Great Awakening. It's 1730s and 40s. And what it looks like in practice is more like separate churches um, and towns would experience mass conversions. Mm-hmm. And they would be accompanied by ecstatic experiences. You'd hear a preacher and you'd cry out. You'd roll on the floor. You would sob. Um, sometimes this would be like uh, tens or hundreds of people at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when Edwards preached this sermon, he preached, he was visiting Enfield, Connecticut. And the way that he preached it was he stared 
directly at the back of the church and he stared at the church bell rope. And Perry Miller talks about that too. And he says he looks at the bell rope as if he was trying to look it off. Like, I don't want that, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? He wanted to get it off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Edwards is interesting because he was always trying to incite revival. He was obsessed with provoking these extreme reactions. But he thought that the way that you do that is by simply teaching, uh, you know, like you you do it through teaching. You don't necessarily do it through – through like screaming. <laughs> you just yeah. read off of your piece of paper and hope that everybody else will get it. Well, so what's odd about Okay, so the, his sermons, I don't his sermons were preached in the plain style and th- that everyone will turn this podcast off because it's just I'm not the, the forms of puritan sermons. <laughs> but he wanted to make things as simple as possible. Yeah. Okay. Um interesting. Well that that's also that like <laughs> That, like a, a weird uh, breaking down of like a, a hard binary between reason and feeling, which I mean, that's a huge enlightenment discourse and, and almost operating in like the exact reverse direction of, say, the logic of the sentimental novel, where like mm-hmm. you are trying to, like, you know, putatively at least, you are trying to teach something or bring some kind of like sort of rational position towards the world, but out of first inspiring feeling. This is more like you hear the kind of argument which then inspires inspires the feeling and then i assume takes you back to something like reason about how you're going to like live your life or think of the world i mean i love i like i fucking love this i i love this idea i had Mm. never thought of that and it's take you back to reason i think that's where like i i only get confused about that because it's like so far away from this Mm -hmm. sermon right like it's uh it seems that you convert because you're terrified so this is what's funny about that is that the terror is meant to show you the mercy of the opportunity at hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which and is he's like a the- bad writer if that's what I'm supposed to get. <laughs> <laughs> but I just told you about the extraordinary opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be fright so you this the all this scary stuff that he writes about the meaning of it in part or maybe in entirely is to drive home the fact that when god saves anyone it's an incredible expression of mercy mm-hmm. and like I, i'm not saying that i'm not standing in for that i just because i like jonathan <laughs> yeah. edwards but, I, mean, I agree <laughs> with that well right i mean because the, the the idea being communicated is like the 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 the, the, the just sort of complete like uh de, de, like total depravity right <laughs> to, of, of uh of yeah. mankind and and so then if there is any like opportunity for like grace or salvation within that it's like oh well good because we suck so bad like you know <laughs> right he's not gonna hold up your butt forever yeah 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 yeah, no, that's like the deal on it. So he was trying to provoke these emotional reactions, but um or he was trying to observe emotional reactions more or less because because he thought they were a sign of the working of of God in the community. And um sometimes things would get a little fucked up, uh let's say. So Edwards he wrote a bunch about revival. He was very interested in it sort of scientifically. And so he would observe the way things worked with revivals. And he was always despairing or very excited about the possibility of them. And um, his uncle during one revival got 
so he was so overcome with uh despair and um he just felt so desolate that he cut his own throat and edwards was totally yeah i mean this is like the way it can go and edwards was devastated and wrote about it i mean that can't help in that cause right no it doesn't it seems like that would be i mean i want to be non i'm not I want to be sensitive to this, but it's like that that's not within the godly law. <laughs> no, and that's exactly the, like so that's Edwards was deeply upset about this for personal reasons and also because he thought, you know, maybe it's a sign that what I thought was going on here this this mirac- this miraculous working like maybe that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. And um he also so like we've got the we've got the awakening and we've got like these new light evangelical preachers who were um invested in emotion and who were preaching to large crowds who might have physical reactions and that was fine for them. And he would get into these like very fussy arguments with with other preachers who were actually like Edwards was sort of the cool guy in this, believe it or not. <laughs> like he's like the fun new cool guy. Oh my god. And there god. are other Yeah, I know, I know, right? Um, Even though he was like made skinny by too much thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's how you get skinny. He basically said he would just say, uh, all these other preachers that that are anti-revival they and and whitfield said this too um they're dead men they're leading these these um congregations and they are dead men they have no they have no right to be doing or they have no um you know they have no spirit to them and like they people didn't like this so much Hmm. um but but then again we also think we've got these other um you know like ann hutchinson the witchcrafts the 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 witchcraft lady yeah and like Roger Williams, who was um, who uh, I won't even get into his. He's an interesting guy too. So they were all charged with enthusiasm, mm-hmm. and you don't want to <laughs> have enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, this, this, I know. Will, this will come up next week in, in Joseph Andrews. By the way, <laughs> stop being into shit. Yeah, yeah, certain enthusiasms. They were charged with Twitter. <laughs> shitting, shitting on things you like. <laughs> no, it, indeed. Um, and so it's like this thing where uh, Edwards was not one of those guys, but he's not one of these like stodgy old or uh, old guys either. He and he had some interesting views, like he had some uh, a little ahead of his time views on Eve, and he also would tell people, you know, you fucks who don't want to give money to poor people. Well, I got news for you. That you don't you haven't experienced the beauty of God. So he says, um, he says uh, that that some men pretend a great love to men's souls that are not compassionate and charitable toward their bodies, and it is a sign that it's no true Christian compassion. Um, I mean, that's I like just reading this, and again coming from a sort of like a clunky understanding of religion. That is very interesting that he has a theology that's both of like you know, the Jesus of, of like the book of Mark or whatever, but also the, the old Testament God of like Leviticus. Like you really see it's a Trinity folks. 
It's just a really interesting series of teachings, right? Like simultaneously. Yeah. Well, and because he doesn't really, he only says like, get your butt to Christ in this. He doesn't talk about like, nice Jesus. No. Well, and and also, I mean, and and, and, yeah, and this this is definitely a question I had for you, Katie, which is like, why, if there is sort of an answer outside the theology, but like, why sort of like Protestantism and Puritanism does sort of i mean and this is again not not as like a scholar of religion but the, and i think this is a perception that i share with a lot of people that it, the emphasis does f- shift back to like god the father and and in a way so like for instance uh 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 Ar- arianism which is one of the famous early church heresies where uh i, I forget Ar- or something like that uh basically said no 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 like that's ridiculous that christ is equal to god the father god the father's the guy man they, jesus is just kind of like some <laughs> some sort of like much much lesser kind of entity and like milton was probably an arian like i mean he, he doesn't explicitly say that but yeah they, they basically just like we see this kind of shift kind of away from from an emphasis on sort of like like Christ back to like an emphasis on and and that that's much more interested in in the, the those kind of like early books of like the Jewish Bible than it is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I also feel like that's probably kind of like reductive as to what Protestant is early Protestantism was actually about. But I don't know. I'll shut up and just ask you that. <laughs> Are you working out how all these things fit together? Like the um the Old Testament, New Testament stuff, and then how it participates in some kind of like social cur- um. Yes. Social current or yeah. Yes. Well, well, I guess like yeah. And so, I mean, I, honestly, I think we're also getting to some of my political questions here, which is that like there's a way in which the presentation of Puritanism, uh, or yeah, I mean, kind of any of these sort of like Protestants, like I'll say, maybe the the mainline kind of like Church of England looks like fairly authoritarian in that it is it is very into this idea or this construction of like the awesomeness and vengeance of God. But like that actually belies the sort of like real world politics where it was like much more in like, I mean, it was actually like an attack on like royalism, among other things. You know what I mean? So it's just there's there's all these things that look like contradictions within it that I don't like maybe they're not maybe like actually the theology just doesn't align as well with like its sort of political role, like the political role of the the religion in the world. I just yeah, I, I have a lot of questions about this, actually. I mean, I think my question is more about like the daily acts that Mm -hmm. you sort of suggest with the like, um, you're a bad guy if, if you're overly concerned with the souls of men, but not with their bodies, right? So that sounds very sort of like acting as a Christian to me, which is like, Mm. not what this sermon seems about at all. No, that's certainly not what this sermon is about. And Edwards was much more mystical, kind of, um, mm. in a lot of his other writings. And I think that that it what it helps me understand sort of is like the his his investment in emotion does go to some of the political questions. Like, for instance, what's important about Protestantism in general is that it's you don't there you don't have to have a mediated experience of God. You can have a direct you can have a direct experience of God, and that's legitimate. Doesn't your minister doesn't tell you he can help you, but doesn't isn't the final word? Isn't the only one who can talk to God? He doesn't um, do the like translation from a ancient language. No, we don't have any of that. We're all supposed mm-hmm. to be reading. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't get at the Old Testament, New Testament question, but it 
like I think that um reading Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, it's hard without the background uh to understand how that would have been experienced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me that I need to go read all of jo- of uh Jesus's <laughs> books before I can understand this one? <laughs> if you don't know uh power knowledge, then you can't read any of Puka. <laughs> all of all of Jesus's books, yeah. Have have Jesus on your books podcast. Like Jesus is the author of right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I know. I know exactly what you're saying. I just I had this vision of like you know Jesus being like a an author guy kind of. You know? Oh God, yeah, totally. The, the the like cult of the Jesus books. <laughs> the ponytail pulled. Back I know, like real thing. Yeah. Like ponytail beard. What else do we need? <laughs> I mean, I think like I'm quoting you from our prep notes, Katie, but it's like the I think for me, it's partly the like, why do anything question? Because Edwards does say like, we'll do shit. Yeah, I, I struggle with that, too. With I mean, with um, Calvinism, like it, it does sort of seem to me to be like a kind of I, there's a there's a sort of nihilism <laughs> implicit in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's actually like so Edwards was not not cognizant of this. But he really believed in the doctrine of predestination. He was, like, super invested in it. So for him, it was about – there was something beautiful about it to him. He described it as exceedingly pleasant, bright, and sweet. Um, Whoa. I know. I know. <laughs> um, I'm trying to hold in my mind this moment of mercy, though, in – Sinners in the hands of it. No, am I wrong? That yes, that's, that, that's, that's like exactly okay. Right. I'm going to yeah. keep this at the at the in the foreground. Yeah, no, that's exa- that's exactly right. And so, to an individual, so Edwards, and this goes into the man of science thing. So he understood. He took this spirit of scientific inquiry and merged it with his religious faith, and so looked at the universe and said, like, yeah, you know. Me, like, writhing in torment for all eternity might be a part of this beautiful snowflake that God has created that we can't understand. And that the whole thing, even if it causes me to suffer, is still beautiful mm-hmm. as, as, a, as, a, as a, the, the world you know mm-hmm. that it's all part of of something and so like you it's hard to understand it and he does do the individual call out so you think about the brutality of that like kids be careful or you're going to go to hell but for edwards he wasn't thinking about the individual in the way that we now would right um he had a different investment well, okay that's actually quite helpful thank you he- yeah, no, definitely. Well, and also, I mean, something I've been kind of thinking about too, um, reading this and just as, as we've been talking, there is a certain sort of like leveling effect of the address in this, right? With the exception of, um, I, I don't know, I mean, the the only like something that looks like class that we might get is when kings get kicked in the nuts, right? Like, yeah, for for sure. everyone else, it's like the fallenness of everyone kind of me. There is sort of like a leveling effect there, right? That it, it, it's not like it, essentially like the, the, the pitch is that like all of humanity is sort of in this admittedly like shitty, like f- shittiness and kind of like fallen state together. I don't know. I mean, like there, there's something like sort of like, 
that I, I feel kind of like somewhat sympathetic towards, right? It, it, it's weird because like on the, on the face of it, that's not what I take away from it. But when I think like, and what I take away from it is this more like kind of scary, like figure of authority preacher dude shouting out to you about how you're damned to hell. But I, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? It, it is like there, there is a certain sort of like equality of the human that is present in b- behind this that I think is kind of fascinating. And I think that does sort of open up some of the like how this exists in like the social to me, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it does seem to present something yeah. like a tension, right? Between the sort of like, I don't know if we would call it like the autocratic system of governance that's arising, but also the like, I don't know, this feels like everyone in the hands of an angry God to me. Like it does this idea about like, are you better than me? Like, no, absolutely not. And and like yep. even and even within the, the 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 physical church itself, right? Like oh, like you like oh you you like you smart ass and you know, like pew three, you might think you're better <laughs> than everyone around you. You're not. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That that's absolutely absolutely right. And so Edwards was completely devoted to the idea of this kind of um. Like I get, I think we may be able to call it egalitarianism, and he did. He searched himself more aggressively and obsessively than you know. He didn't expect. There's no hypocrisy to him. Mm-hmm. That's oh. that's part of what's appe- that's part of what's appealing mm-hmm. to about about him. And um, so also one of the main. So Edwards was constantly getting fucking kicked out of places. <laughs> I imagine why, right? Like, right. <laughs> well, it's kind of dope though that he's like, I'm not going to be nice to fucking anybody. Like, I don't know yeah. if that's why he gets kicked out of places, but it seems like that to me. It actually like, I'm not sort of kiss is anybody's ass. <laughs> yep, and um, he like had this famous grandfather, Solomon Stoddard, and he believed in the halfway covenant. I'm getting somewhere interesting, I swear. Um, <laughs> and it had to do with. What taking communion and doing that based on whether or not your family had uh, given a public testimony of conversion, like so, even if you hadn't, if say your uh, your family did, you could sort of ride their coattails and take communion. The smacks of do you know who my dad is to me? <laughs> yes, so you're you're like a full church member. But Edwards said, fuck that. No, you are a full member if you are, if you have given your test, you've given your, uh, you've stood in front of the church and given your conversion narrative. And that's how you become a member of the church. It's not, it's not like who your fancy grandfather was. It's not, do you know who my dad is? He was super invested in that form of, um, like of spiritual life like he he just and he didn't care he didn't care where he got kicked out of (laughs) okay i mean that i like i'm coming around to this guy now yeah (laughs) i mean it's just because he's a goth you know i like that already yeah yeah he's like a cool he's he's cool i mean okay so also just young young edwards um Mm. which is my dj name (laughs) (laughs) What what a cool ass dj I play zero <laughs> records and fuck you. I'm like nothing, but just like Edwards was an I like to read guy. Um, and there's a good there's a good 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 quote about him. It's saying um he meditated on uh Berkeley on the one hand, not the school, and the Locke bishop. Day- 
<laughs> the bishop, locked Descartes and Hobbes on the other. The young Edwards hope to rescue Christianity from both rationalism and skepticism. That's like a John Smith was is truly the scholar's name that wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> but he did, he did, he liked that. Sh- he liked to do that shit. And also his daughter, Jerusha, so you know she's hot. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> poor gal. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, married his student who died of diarrhea after <laughs> uh, riding a horse around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that guy... Uh, David Brainerd, Edwards wrote a bio of him, um, and he got kicked out of school for saying some fancy guy had no more grace than a chair. Sick burn. <laughs> Dope. Nice. nice. So I I apologize if I'm like moving to something clunkily, but like I do want to know what the sort of like politics of this are with respect to ideology and and also like this does seem in some ways to run counter to what we think of as sort of early American political life. It seems like dominated by um, slave owners and shitheads and not not people who are like, you're no better than me. I should point out that Edwards himself was a slave owning shithead. And it's so, so the egalitarianism that I'm talking about is like really spiritual. It's, that's the thing. That's what okay. makes it, you know, when I say things like egalitarianism and that it that's why you have to absolutely must yeah. mention. Yeah. You, like, yeah. you know, you can't say that without also saying he enslaved people who he also argued had had the same souls as white people you know so this is the this is the pretzel you have to bend your mind into yeah yeah yeah. and well and it it just it just shows like the the sort of extreme ideological incoherence of slavery which i mean yeah i mean you there is there is there is no like morally defensible justification for something like that so that but um but this this is like a good example of like uh the 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 important notion of like just because you treat people like chattel doesn't mean you're actually able to hold in your mind simultaneously that these are also people right. and how dis- how repugnant it is to be like yeah. oh yeah i know these people have souls yeah and and right and and there there's a lot of great scholarship at, in this moment specifically on how that sort oh, of yeah. like hypocrisy they fucking and, knew yeah it's and how <laughs> And, yeah, and, and yeah, how yeah, that, no, how, absolutely. And and how that hypocrisy and paradox is like central to how like slavery laws even function in, in the in the first place. A- absolutely. Um, and, and by the way, Edwards had to justify his his. Um, people were like, "What's up? What's up with that? Mm-hmm. Like, what? How can you? Like, how can you do this? Mm-hmm. How can you? You know, enslave." people how can you do it and he and what he said is um his response to it was well like a he didn't think that the world meant anything i was gonna say all. like this is an oh, earthly problem jesus that oh hi hi daniel defoe right like yeah. <laughs> but yeah. no but that's not what he argued that's not what he that's not how he responded what he said was all of you who go around buying goods produced by slavery are just as involved in this as i am so don't pretend that you aren't which is a, which it, a true point right but i mean which is a true yeah, although to hear, i mean to hear a slave owner make that point is also infuriating yeah. but 
No, it's not. It's it's like certainly not to fucking justify any of this shit. Of beyond be it's it's beyond unjustified. Like I I it's unspeakable and on um unjustified there's nothing there's no there's nothing right there's no there's no reasoning or way around it no 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 no. but i think there there's an there's an important thing here which is to say that um that understanding the the total brutality of slavery necessitates understanding how everyone participated in it Mm -hmm. oh yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. But one thing I, I might say uh, to sort of think, uh, you know, it will, again, I think we'll talk a little bit about like Methodism next week with with Joseph Andrews. But I do wonder if the, you know, the 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 sort of like direct presence of slavery in colonial America and you know, or the early United States uh, versus um, it's sort of like more removed character in Britain uh, does have some important sort of implications between like theology and, and politics because when we Look, for instance, at um, like like so early Methodism and George Whitefield, right, and, and John Wesley. A lot of the, the those early kind of conversion sort of uh, experience, waking experience, they're like they're Welsh mining communities and stuff. Like, I mean, this was very much um, a movement among the poor uh, in in Britain, and that did have sort of important kind of like class resident like residents of like class politics that like to be sort of a a dissenter uh or like at this moment like a methodist um well i so i mean dissent yeah it it just gets super complicated because like yeah a lot of like proto-capitalists were dissenters but like to be a methodist or like an enthusiast did like mean often that you know you you were poor you were a woman you were you know can, you know, you were a black or brown person, like you know, you know what I mean. So that, but, but I, but I, you know, I just, I, I, I just wonder if, like, just you know, that, um, that just has to look different in the United States because slavery is just so immediately present. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think so. There's so there are different. So what Ed like the so Edward was a Congregationalist, mm-hmm. and what that means is that, so. He also um, like he supported itinerant preaching, like going around to, to nearby towns and do and doing the big revivals and things. But to be a congregationalist meant the congregation was at the center of everything, and so you see everything as sort of um, concentric circles of God's covenant. So it's the individual and God, and then um, the the family, and then the congregation, and then the nation. And so there are these ways of of ordering things that Edwards was very invested in that somebody like somebody who was, say, Quaker or um, somebody like there was a controversy, the antinomian controversy. And that was like really people who would challenge authority in a way that was was more aggressive and more more um, claiming a personal authority. So. Hmm. It, like Edwards wasn't the guy who was who was like everyone stand up when the spirit moves you. Right. He was, but he, but he was up at the, you know, he was preaching and saying, and he wasn't, he wasn't saying, you know, c- cut it out if you want to roll around in the aisles. Right. Right. If if he felt it was a sincere expression of, or I mean, if he if he, uh, you know, wrote a buttload of journal entries about it and deduced it was 
the sincere, um, you know, expression of revivalism or whatever. Gotcha. Hmm. So this, okay. So this was my like larger question, I guess, which is we all amongst the three of us totally love to read non non literature historical documents or uh, sermons or whatever is literature. So like what uh, with this is the upshot of doing that? Well, I mean, you know, having talked quite a bit about the Gothic novel and the sentiment that really, I mean, this, I think sounds probably weird, but like the sentimental novel on the show. I mean, I think one thing that um, literary techniques you know, one reason they are literary techniques is because they are an effective, they are an effective affective vehicle. And yeah, like, I mean, I, I just, I, I was thinking a lot of the sentimental novel reading this in that, like, it is that the, the sort of like provoking an emotional response as a way of um, shaping your sort of experience with the text that it, that is a literary move to me. And it, it's also yeah. one I think that is drawing from literary movements of the of the period well and i don't want to like katie you're gonna get mad at me for this but that's fine (laughs) uh that as clunky as it is to say that the sentimental novel has a persuasive technique Mm -hmm. in it this is i mean even to call this persuasion is a little bit like clunky but it's getting it's trying to get you to do something i don't know that it's trying to get you to do something that's the funny thing (laughs) oh well, because what you're going to oh, do. Oh, I thought that's what I was supposed to be mad about. Because <laughs> <'cause, laughs> you're going to be mad about like my calling it persuasion. But oh, I was just trying to be mad about. No, but <laughs> but, but you should you should. I mean, if from the Calvin from a Calvinist perspective, right? You should be like you. I mean, you. Well, maybe you'll do something. Maybe you won't. Only God knows, right? <laughs> like so. And it's like also you have to be among the elect, and you're and you're of the elect or you're not. <laughs> like right, you're right. invited to that party, oh, or right. you, you're it, or it got lost in the mail. I keep forgetting so, about that because he's like, "Be saved," but also nobody knows. Don't. It's like you can't do anything. You're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole. That's the real. Like, so as much as as much as there's a rhetor- there's a rhetorical function of this, and it also is about living in a godly society sort of thing but it's also it's describing it's showing and telling and moving but we're not go like where are we going we if we're going to hell that's where we're going anyway yeah right yeah so what am and i it's supposed physics. to do like it it, i mean it's it that yeah like it sort of is it's gravity dude you know like that's so it's not literature it's 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 the physics of hell is what is what we're doing we're doing physics of but i think the important like the the literary function is the like we are living in metaphor land but these metaphors had eternal fucking consequences right so i think I think it's one one way of under I mean this is just the worst thing in the world to say but I'm going to say it anyway. If you re, you sort of it, it sort of has to be read as poetry almost like you have to have that orientation to or like maybe theory or some shit I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but some kind of it's also like it's an it's now I'm going to do weird language. It's like I'm not saying it's drama but it has this element where it's like both read and performed. Yes, what's incredibly interesting about it is that there are like you have scenes, you know? 
Oh, that's like, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you have stuff like the bow of God's wrath is bent and the arrow made ready on the string and justice bends the arrow at your heart and strains the bow and it's nothing but the mere pleasure of God and that of an angry God without any promise or obligation at all that keeps the arrow one moment from being made drunk with your blood. And then, <laughs> yeah, that's a bad, yeah, that, I know. That, that's a bad, that's a badass. Moment. Yeah, that's yeah. metal. Yeah. Yep, and then and then we have um the you know we've got the uh they shall be left to fall as they are inclined by their own weight. God will not hold them up in these slippery places any longer, but will let them go. And then at that very instant, they shall fall into destruction. As he that stands on such a slippery declining ground on the edge of a pit. He cannot stand alone, and when he's let go, he immediately falls and is lost. So we've got like we've got like pit guy, we've got arrow guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've got the moment where he talks about dangling like the the spider that's you're like a spider that God is dangling mm-hmm. over a flame, and you're you're that disgusting too. So these are hundred percent Ovid metaphors, just to be like a, again, like a total douche. No, I know, and I've, I've lost Ovid metaphors. I'm also mm-hmm. thinking of of Michelangelo's uh, amazing oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last Judgment, where he painted everyone who had ever pissed him off in his life into hell. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. <stuff>. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking rules. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. So, so I don't know. That's like it's the physics stuff that I like. It's the way of so enlightenment philosophy. When you say that, it sounds boring as shit, right? As does maybe old to time- some people, <laughs> not the people on this podcast, except me. <laughs> <laughs> but then. There's also this thing. And and also, I mean, Megan, you thought you were going to be bored possibly reading an 18th century sermon, and it just isn't because of all no, of this. No, it's not boring at all. It's also like 20 pages, so. Yeah. So that helps, too. Yeah. But Edwards is just inc- – like, he's fun to read, period, and – um. He's upset. He his metaphors are clarifying. Mm-hmm. I'll say yeah. that they are. I mean, and it like it it thrills me to know that both my ten month old and Tristan's four year old are that their tiny butts are hanging over the flames of hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, man. Yeah. Ooh, boy, with everyone else, does that help? <laughs> I mean, it's still it's like a cute image. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I understand that we're we're not playing a game. We're breaking from tradition. It's not a game, but um I'd like to get your takes on just some some things I'm about to read to you. And um they come from a book. Uh so Edwards, yeah, he wrote the sermon and He's telling us all about an angry God. Oh, hell this, hell that. But did he even go to hell? Did he go there? <laughs> we, no, no, none of us can know, can we? No, no. Well, well, we can't, but this there's a guy who wrote the book 23 Minutes in Hell. And <laughs> he did go to hell. Oh, um, and yeah. he took us all there with him. Oh, this is my favorite genre of near-death experience. Where, For right? sure. Yeah, yeah. This is the best book I've ever read in my entire life. <laughs> I am obsessed with it, and I love it. And it's a book about a realtor who spends a little time in H-E-double hockey sticks. <laughs> and 
it is incredible. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna read a little passage for you here. Uh, I'll also um just just so you know um kind of what you're getting into here. We've got some some of the reviews on on old Amazon.com. Uh, somebody gave it one star. Uh, too religious. <laughs> I, I mean, I, what the I'm hell sh- else would it be? I'm sure that's true, but it's like, ma'am, sir, I I have to wonder what you were expecting. You know, right? <laughs> well, Did you read the um, title? The judge the book by its cover. <laughs> anyway, so do you want to know what happened when he chilled in hell? Yes. Please. Okay. Well, he gets to hell, and it's a it's a it's like a he gives the dimensions of the cell. It's like ten by thirteen feet, and he sees two enormous beasts, unlike anything he had ever seen before. And uh, they were they were not of this natural world, you see. And here's the description, and I'm going to give you the description, and uh, and we'll see how he ends up. And then I'd love to hear your thoughts. These creatures weren't animals, but they weren't human either. Each giant beast resembled a reptile in appearance, but took on human form. Their arms and legs were unequal in length, out of proportion, without symmetry. The first one had bumps and scales all over its grotesque body. It had a huge protruding jaw, gigantic teeth, large sunken in eyes. The second, um, skip a little. The second beast was taller and thinner, like Jonathan Edwards, with very long arms and razor sharp fins that covered its body. Protruding from its hands were claws that were nearly a foot long. Its personality seemed different from the first being. (laughs) It was certainly no less evil, but it remained rather still. I could hear the creatures speaking to each other. I could not identify the language, but somehow I could understand their words. They were awful words. Terrible blasphemous language that you hear on this podcast that spewed from their mouth. (laughs) Suddenly, they turned their attention toward me. They looked like hungry predators. Uh Uh-oh. Here's what happens. So its sharp fins pierced my back. I felt like a rag doll in his clutches in comparison to his enormous size. He then reached around and plunged his claws into my chest and ripped them outward. My flesh hung from my body like ribbons as I fell again to the cell floor. These creatures had no respect for the human body. How remarkably it is made. (laughs) I have always taken care of myself by eating right, exercising, and staying in shape. But none of that mattered as my body was being destroyed right before my eyes. Oh my god, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. That's wonderful. And and also, like, I'm sorry, like, Dante's the fucking OG with like hell descriptions yeah. favorite part of, i mean there's so many amazing parts in the inferno but where i and i can't it's been so long since i read it but i can't but where the demon bends over and uh and blows an ass trumpet to as, <laughs> as a herald yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like that no one will ever top this description i'm sorry although this was pretty fucking good particularly when we learned about how this somehow relates to what a health nut the guy is yeah, I really want to I really don't remember the part in the Inferno of do you even lift, bro? <laughs> no, I, no, no. <laughs> this is not the only do you even lift, bro moment in these 23 minutes of hell. I I I am sure that it's not. You know, like <laughs> I mean, if this guy has to mention it when I mean, he's like, being attacked by yeah. demons? 
Yeah, I know. It's like, yeah, if, if you're like, yeah, I got ripped apart by demons. And by the way, I am so fucking ripped. Like, you don't even, you're, <laughs> you're, you're gonna, you're gonna drop that pretty much any chance you get. Right. But <laughs> so we have, so we have, um, do you even lift, bro? And then we have another segment for, I'd love to hear what you think about his relationship with his wife. Um, he <laughs> loves to tell about it as he's, uh, as he's journeying through hell. He's a my wife guy. He says, of course, um, my wife and I uh, are extremely close. So, you know, um, he's upset that he can't tell tell her about this. And he says, um, he can't tell uh, her about he, something he wrote a whole book about. Well, um, you know, when he was in hell, he was concerned. He was concerned. <laughs> um, okay. Also, that, he was concerned. That he die? <laughs> yeah, it seems like that was his concern. He talks about how thirsty he was. Just one drop of water would have been so precious to me. It is difficult to conceive of a world without any water. It would truly be most miserable. It is inconceivable for any of us to imagine such extreme dryness. Water has always been very valuable and pleasurable to my wife and me. And now so much <laughs> more so. so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> my this wife and fun. I like. My wife and I like to drink water <laughs> and work out. My wife and I like to drink water. He also says, "I'm um, after seeing these grotesque and deformed creatures with their jagged scales, bumps, and twisted limbs, and smelling their putrid, rotting odors, and seeing the thick, smoke-filled atmosphere. I longed for my life back. I thought of my beautiful wife with her warm, loving green eyes, her zeal for life, her perfectly smooth, clear skin." Oh God! Oh, he's got to. He's got to be like. I didn't want to smell brimstone because I wanted to look at boobies. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Jonathan Edwards is pumped. I'm, I I don't know what Jonathan Edwards would think of this. <laughs> if it's, Jonathan, it's amazing. If Jonathan Edwards is in hell and hey, fucking slave odor, right? So, you know, oh, if it were, yeah. if it were real. That. I feel like this dude arrived and he was like, no, no, fuck, no, send this guy back. Give him another chance. <laughs> like, yeah. do not. I don't want to look this motherfucker in the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's that's absolutely true. <laughs> okay, so here we go. We get to the gym again. As I ascended into the darkness, the fear of those horrific beasts was all encompassing. I thought, who could fight off just one of these creatures? No one could. Many were so massive and strong. For an instant, I remembered a certain person my wife and I would see at our gym. We didn't know him, but we'd look at him with amazement because he was so big, powerfully built and strong. I thought even he would be no match for the demons. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just more like the guy who lifts, bro. Also, oh, so like there- there's there's a there's a very sweet cuckold fantasy operating here. Yes. There. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, dude, go talk to Jerry Falwell Jr. He'll tell you it's fine. You yeah. can totally be a Christian and and a swinger and into cuckolding. It's fine, yeah. man. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's also that. that's not in hell. Remember, that's yeah. like that's you know you don't have to watch your 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 guy fuck your wife in hell. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. It's an yeah. it's an earth thing. He can go back to that. Yeah, exactly. And now he can appreciate it. <laughs> yes i mean is it without what this book is for is like i can appreciate the things that i have such as my wife <laughs> and the hot guy at the gym and the yeah. hot guy at the gym and me thinking about well we're we're getting to the part where um 
we're we're not at the bust and nut part yet, but we're about to get there. Before we get there, we go to a brief digression about um uh September 11th getting eaten by sharks and the sinking of the Titanic. Uh-huh, um okay, cool. yeah. Yep. He said, he I remember seeing a special about the sinking of the Titanic. I recalled how thankful the people were to be saved from the freezing cold water. Like Tears a quarter were f- of the people who lived? What about the rest of the people? They're dead as hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's nice. He's yeah. like, I remember that people were so happy after the well, Titanic. Well, tears were flowing as each survivor recounted the story of how he or she was rescued. That's just how I felt, but much, much more so. Much, <laughs> much, much more so. So yeah, coming out of my bad, just coming out of my bad drunk, I am <laughs> so much luckier than the people that were rescued from the actual disaster of the yeah, Titanic. The okay, Titanic. cool. Yeah, okay, it's so magnificent. Um, he asks the Lord, "Why did you choose me for this experience?" There was no answer. In many ways, it doesn't seem to make sense. First of all, I'm a realtor, not Billy Graham or Mother <laughs> Teresa. Second, Those are two I love very different cases, but okay. <laughs> well, second, I love order, cleanliness, and quiet, and hell is the antithesis to that. I I know most people appreciate order and cleanliness and tranquility. However, I am more fanatical with those things than most. My mother shared with me that even as a child, I kept my room neat and clean with all my toys in perfect order. I even wore three-piece suits as a child and liked it. Yeah, this, tra- this all tracks, yeah. Yeah, this is a pure psychopath. In addition, my wife and I disdain horror movies and never attend them. We make every effort to keep evil influence out of our home and away from our lives. And besides all that, I don't even like the summertime. <laughs> Summer is too hot for me. Oh, that's so sweet. Mm. I don't like anything fun. Yeah. Except the hot guy at the gym and my wife. Yeah. <laughs> the guy the guy at the gym railing my wife. <laughs> mm. Here are the things I hate. Summer. Fun. Steaks. Uh, horror <laughs> movies. Um, drinking anything but water. <laughs> well, I mean, my wife and I. Love, <laughs> my wife and I love water. We Amazing. love water. We're mostly made up of it. My wife and I. <laughs> so so we so we meet God and God seems to be in a mood. God said, "Tell them I am coming." Very, very soon. In my spirit, I felt an urgency to warn as many people as possible. He sternly (laughs) said it again. Tell them I am coming very, very soon. Repeating himself, (laughs) he tells me that his coming truly is getting very soon. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Slow slow down, God. (laughs) (laughs) Slow your roll. Um, this guy didn't finish, but God is still coming. Um, <laughs> this guy will never finish if this book is any indication. The, so the Lord, as the Lord and I are having this time together, we kept ascending. They're going up a tunnel. We kept ascending up the tunnel. We came to the Earth's surface, and then we continued upward. We went high above the Earth until we were out of the atmosphere. Ancient aliens. <laughs> ancient aliens ancient fucking aliens oh no shit he's with jesus i'm sorry he's with jesus so he goes on a space flight with jesus and <laughs> uh he jesus says, rocket launcher 
he's on the Jesus rocket launcher and um, <laughs> says, as Jesus and I began moving toward the earth, the continents came into view. I remember the moment when we reentered the atmosphere. I know that reentering the Earth's atmosphere is extremely complicated ordeal for astronauts. <laughs> I, sensed, I sensed when we were passing through that barrier. I believe anyone viewing Earth from space would have difficult time denying a creator. My parents live near Cape Canaveral, Florida, and would host astronauts in their home on occasion. As a child, I grew up watching Star Trek. And as oh, I mentioned... dare you take the Trek's name in vain? Mm. Well, he had always dreamed of seeing space. It is Tristan amazing is to me that so the Lord... mad right now. Oh, man. I've, I'm, I have lost all interest in this guy. <laughs> <laughs> You've lost interest in this guy as he's speeding toward California with Jesus hovering <laughs> over his house? I know. I'm 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 going to hell. I just I'm like, yeah. One taking the trek name in vain and I, I don't know. I just <laughs> it's a complicated reentry procedure with a <laughs> it's, a com- it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I mean I'll never do anything like this again, but um, I read th- I there was simply no I could not formulate a game or thoughts or words after reading this. I was I tried to make a quiz, but um, after after the reentry, I was a rough reentry. Um, <laughs> no, the yeah. the dramatic reading was much better. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was all we could. It was do. real. Okay, this has been. Better than dead. You can find me on Twitter at Tesslersaurus. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywell. You can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Better Red Pod. And email us at betterredpodcast at gmail.com, but only if you want to tell us about your 23 minutes in hell, especially if there were lizards there. <laughs> <laughs> or your affection for water. We would mm-hmm. like to hear yeah. about that. I would love to hear. I- I- Every single person who listens to the show, tell me ex- what you think of water, definitely, in detail. Please. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's pronounced water, I've learned water, from yeah, being on the show for water, water. more than a year. <laughs> Our intro music is Love Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Please rate, review, subscribe. It helps us out. And next week, we have Joseph Andrews for you with our guest host, David Diamond, who is going to be very fun. And we have a Clockwork Orange on deck after that. So thanks, comrades. Mm